Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. Today I have the opportunity to visit with Carrie Draney. This is our first time meeting and she is from Gilbert, Arizona. Welcome, Thank Carrie. You. Thank so, you. So Carrie, I'll just begin by throwing it out there. Tell us about your story. Where does your story begin? Yeah, so my story probably begins back uh, around 2005 when I went through a divorce and at that point, I became a single parent, a lot transitioned, of course, in my life. I was working as a music therapist at the time. I had my own company, was really doing okay. And then from there, things started to change with my work and, of course, adjusting to being a single parent and started to being really intentional with some of my decisions in life. Also, just life experience kind of guided me and now you know, 18 years later, here I am. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a social worker now and have learned a lot, a lot about myself, a lot about other people, a lot about my relationship with God. Oh, I'm sure. So Carrie, going back to the point when you found yourself being a single mother, what was the biggest adjustment that you feel like you had to make? I'm assuming you had more than one child at the time or... I did. I had three daughters at the time. Okay. So what was the biggest adjustment for you all of a sudden realizing I'm now a single parent? Yeah. You know, I think the biggest adjustment actually came a few years after the divorce when my work changed because at that point I had to make a big decision. I was currently working and contracted with the state of Arizona and I had an agency and I was doing quite well, and then the recession hit, right? And Mm -hmm. at that time, my business, the state cut our rate 60%. And at that point, then lots of my therapists left, and I ended up making the decision to go back to graduate school as a social worker. So Mm -hmm. that was a huge adjustment because after the divorce, I really, um, I had already been working, was maintaining quite well as far as financially and emotionally, To be honest, I was doing really well. And then I finally began to understand, and I worked in in my home at that time. So then just all the adjustments of working outside of the home, I started to understand better what single parents go through right after a divorce. I think I was just hitting it about five years later. I see. So what did you learn about yourself within those first five years? That's a really powerful question because I learned so much about myself. To the point now where I look back and I think I am such a better and different person that although divorce is what nobody wants to go through, Mm -hmm. I can honestly say that I am grateful for the experience of learning about myself through that. So um, one thing I really learned was that I can do hard things, you know, that, yeah, um, yeah, I never really expected some of the things that came up and just the different things I had to deal with. I learned that my relationship with God was very individual. And during the time of my divorce, it's really interesting, but I probably did my divorce differently than a lot of people do when I filed for divorce. Mm -hmm. During that time, I was wondering if maybe things would work out and end up, you know, settling. So I didn't share with anyone that I was divorcing, Mm. except for a couple very close people for the reason that if things did work out, I didn't want anyone to know anything they don't need to, right? Makes sense. But also because 
I felt I was quite vulnerable at that time, and I didn't want to be swayed by anyone else. And so I really kept that to myself, and it was really between me and God. Mm -hmm. And so through that experience, then, I really increased my relationship with God and my Savior, and that, to me, was very powerful, and that was a very special time. And I recognize, too, now, after talking to a lot of other single parents, during that time, if people choose to be better and not bitter, which oh, is I huge. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that is huge. That you can really come to to know yourself. And if you are, you know, a person, a believer, I guess you could say, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That you have that opportunity, too, to draw closer to him. As I've talked to other people, they've said they also felt, you know, that whole poem of one set of footprints, right? Yeah. yeah. Like just feeling that, that God really carries you through. And it was very noticeable when that ended, when that intense caring, you know. Mm -hmm. You actually noticed it at that yeah. time. Yeah, then I felt like he said, you know, was just allowing me then to take it. He knew I had the confidence in myself. He knew I could do that. He just knew things were going to be okay. And at that point, I could move forward. Having children going through that, how did you manage dealing with their emotions and also trying to keep the family together and working. How did you manage that? Yeah, that was a lot. I think one of the hardest things to do is being a working parent, mm -hmm. you know, a working single parent especially because there is so much to manage. You've got your kids and emotions, and you never feel that you're enough in either capacity. And I don't know that I've ever talked to a single parent or even a working parent really who feels in that sense that, they can do both as well as they want to, right? Mm -hmm. When I was at work, I was feeling like I wasn't enough for my kids. And when I was with my kids, I was worried about getting behind in work oftentimes, right? So when you ask about what I've learned about myself, that brings me to that point of the ability to be emotionally present. And in that, I've also done a lot of work. I actually teach a class on mindfulness now because I had learned about that when I was getting my social work degree, and I really believe that that acceptance and that ability to be present in the moment is so vital. And I wasn't able to do that very well as a parent for yeah. a long time. And so I've learned the importance of that and implementing that in my own life. Sure, and having so much on your plate and being mm -hmm. dropped into a new world, so to speak, you had to kind of build the airplane while you were flying it. You'd yeah. never been in that situation before, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I can understand when you were just talking about, I'm not good enough here, I'm not good enough there, that lack of confidence in yourself, mm -hmm. that might have been the very time that God was carrying you. That might have been that very time when you only saw his footprints right, to get you through that. How many years ago has it been? 18. So 18 years now you've been doing this, and you have mentioned some of the things you've learned about yourself. Where do you see yourself going forward now? Yeah. You know, I have to say, I just turned 50. Oh, no, ago. not the 5 I know, right? <laughs> oh, no, you're a baby. <laughs> and people always said, oh, the 50s are the best, is what I've been told, right? And so I always made it a goal by the time I was 50. I wanted to figure myself out. So actually, I finally had the guts this past year to make a huge decision in my career. Um, I started working my goal has always been to be a licensed therapist, mm -hmm. a clinical social worker. And so I've taken that leap of faith. And so I'm in the process of becoming such. 
And as far as me personally, I'm now an empty nester, (laughs) which has allowed me a lot of time to heal, right, right, over the past year. And that has also given me a lot of strength and for me to be able to move forward and to get myself to where I need to be. So emotionally, I feel like I'm in a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Although I will share that that was a huge transition for me to become an empty nester because all of a sudden I had so much time and yet all my kids were gone. And I really went through a period of grieving in a sense yeah. because now I felt like I would have more time to be emotionally present, right? And to be with them the way I always wanted to be back then, but they were gone. Yeah. And so working through that has been quite mm-hmm. a process as well. That makes so much sense to me as I just sat here and listened to you say that. Mm-hmm. Your kids are gone and you want to be able to, you didn't have that when they were growing up. You yeah. know, you had to work and yeah, it is a, I can see how grieving would be appropriate mm-hmm. in that. I'm in that same stage, my wife and I, we're empty nesters. And, you know, there are times where you just want to pick up the phone and, and you just want to have a great visit and they're busy with the kids and they're doing their thing. And it's like, dang, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that you said that because it does give us a sense of, all right, we can adapt. Mm-hmm. We can make those adjustments, right? And I think you are. Yes. From what I'm listening to. Yeah. Have you ever, in your career as a social worker, worked with an individual who's gone through something similar as you and I'd be curious to know what do you tell them yeah. what kind of advice do you give them you know I have and that is probably one of the populations I most enjoy working with is um, empowering women really is what mm-hmm. that comes down to in the sense if I work with other single moms but a friend of mine when I divorced gave me the best advice what's that and that is if you're okay they're okay And so the first thing I did when I divorced was worked on myself, you know, got myself professional help if I needed that, um, asked a lot of questions, read a lot of books, did whatever I needed to do to get myself so I was okay, so I would have that to give them. And so I think that's a huge piece of what I share with, you know, those parents who are going through that as well. Yeah, you talk about empowerment. What areas do you feel like? women who have gone through this need the most empowerment. What is it that they can hold on to? Yeah, I think self-confidence. There you go. Yeah, and feeling like they're enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it took you how long to feel like you were enough? (laughs) Way too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, but you know, you did it, though. I guess time is irrelevant. The fact that you continued to work on it and continued to improve, is there a cap on it? I don't think so. I mean... We're all a work in progress. We are every day, right? Yeah. And every day changes. We step backwards and then we go forwards and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I can imagine that, you know, you've been on that side. And Mm -hmm. so I can imagine that your information, your support, encouragement, your words of wisdom are probably very helpful for these women who need that. Yeah. I want to hope so. Yeah. Do you see yourself continuing on in this capacity? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've landed. I've done a lot of different work through my life, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've landed where I want to be and where I want to grow. So let's mm-hmm. pretend for a second you're the therapist and you're also you, okay? Mm-hmm. You're Carrie. What does the therapist in you advise Carrie to do? I would say take 
what I've learned and keep it in my back pocket. Okay. And keep it available to pull out when I need to. Mm -hmm. Is that empowering for you in a way too, to be able to take your experiences that you had and help other people through them? Isn't that empowering? Don't, Very. Yeah. Yeah, right? Anytime we go through something hard, if we can find purpose and meaning in it, right? Especially if we can share it with someone else or build them with our knowledge and our learning, it kind of makes it like it was worth it a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, and that's probably why I choose the profession, you know, that I have. Yeah, I want to empower other people and help other people and support them. No, I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. you, know, you sought professional help. I think anybody, it doesn't matter what walk of life you are, you could be a social worker and need to get therapy. Yeah, mm -hmm. so what? Mm -hmm. You could be a, you know, a, an engineer and need that. I feel like the help is out there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just need to have that confidence that, okay, I'm just going to give myself up and say, hey, I need help. I can't do it by myself. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did you get to that point then? You just had to realize that. Hey, I can't do this alone. Yeah. And yeah. that had to have been... I don't know, a little bit empowering in and of itself to know that I'm still okay. Mm -hmm. I need help, but help is out there. Yes, yeah. it really is. And I think we need to remember that. We need to be vulnerable and willing to seek that yeah. out. I like that word, even though it's hard, but being vulnerable means you're willing to change. Yeah. In my mind. Yes. Yeah. And if you're not willing to be vulnerable, then you're basically saying without saying it, I don't need help. Mm-hmm. And I think being willing to see what you need to see, because sometimes we don't want to see what we need to, mm -hmm. you know, or what reality is, right? It, yeah. It's really easy to live in denial. It's really easy oh, yeah. to just pretend that it's not happening or that, you know, mm -hmm. and make up those stories, but that gets us into a really negative space. It does. I tell people denial is not just a river in Egypt. It's a real thing. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see when you had to see? Yeah. Can you remember that? What did you see when you were forced to see? Mm hmm So a great therapist actually shared with me, you have to take the picture frame that you've had hanging on your wall, not literally, right, but that frame of expectations. Okay. And you have to set that aside and allow a new frame to be hung on the wall and allow new things to happen and grow. And so going back to that, I would say that what I saw was I had expectations. I'm a person of expectations. I'm a very goal-oriented mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to see that it's okay for life not to turn out exactly like you expect it to. And it's okay to allow God to intervene to yeah. change that. And it's okay to accept that things can be different and still be great and actually awesome and amazing if you allow yourself to see that, right? But that was hard. That was really hard. What did your picture of expectations look like before the divorce? Hmm. Well, probably that whole thing of, you know, like we have our whole nuclear family okay. up on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know, that just brings up so many points to me of what changed when I divorced. Like, for me, things like we used to do a couple date nights, and that was gone because mm -hmm. now I didn't have anybody to go with, and I wasn't going to go by myself and yeah. hang out with my couple friends and their husbands, right? 
So that loss of expectation socially. And also the sensitivity of now I was a single woman, and so like just being aware of my friends and their husbands and how I interacted or with men in my church, the loss of, well, in my faith too, there's a lot of opportunity for events and social events that involve couples, right? right? And we're a very family-based church. And so also hearing lessons at church or being taught things that were about families and marriage was very difficult to hear. And, you know, I think I developed through this time what I called my glass house theory. I'm just going to share that with you. Very good. And this is really, really vital, I think, to me, and I've used it a lot to share with other people, and that is I mentioned to you that when I divorced, we didn't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. In fact, we divorced, and he stayed in the house for a month after, and I just slept on the couch or whatever, but we stay, he stayed for a month, and the kids didn't even know because it was really important that there was stability for the kids, right? They would know where they were going. They would know where their dad was going to be living in, he didn't have his housing set up yet, and I was going to stay in the house with the kids. So during that time, no one knew, and we still attended church together. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, well, and the big piece of that is I didn't want other people to know before my kids. I felt a loyalty to yeah. my children, right? That way, I would never want them to hear that from someone else. So what that meant was that when we did tell people, that it was quite a shock, as you can imagine. We've been going to church for a month, and then when I would mention, oh, yeah, like, you know, we've already separated and yeah. we're living in different spaces. What was interesting was one person I will never forget. This was about a month after we had divorced, and she came up to me and she said, no, Carrie, I've been through some hard things, and I'm happy to help and support you guys and talk you through it or, or you know, give you some help. And I said, oh, well, actually, we're already divorced. She said, you're already divorced? Like last Sunday you were sitting on the pew and you looked like the perfect family. And I have always thought about that. And I, my glass theory is, glass house theory, if we all lived in glass houses, what would we know about each other? Because how many of us live our lives based on what other people are experiencing and what we perceive as what they're experiencing? that perfection we see at church, that perfection we see sometimes in the workplace or, you know, what we expect and assume about people that is so not accurate. And I thought, if my husband and I were divorced, not even arguing or separated, (laughs) the legal paper was done. We had it signed, right? And we were sitting on a pew in church and people thought we were the perfect family. What else are we assuming? How odd and opposite is that from what we should be feeling and thinking. And so I guess in answer to your question then, that, yeah, just really coming to understand, to see life as it is and Mm -hmm. to enjoy the people as they are and not base my life and my happiness on those expectations or on what we think it's supposed to be. Life is supposed to be enjoyed. It's a journey and as far as I'm concerned, God's the only one that knows where my journey is going. Yeah, yeah. You Hopefully know. he's involved you in that yes. along the way, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that has also supported me in parenting mm-hmm. because I also recognize and a wise friend told me, you can't choose your children's journey. No. And so allowing my kids to have their journey, regardless of if it's what I agree with or not, I'm better 
because of my journey, and I can't take that away from anyone else. All right. I wish that was easy to yeah. do, you know. Oh, for sure. That's a process, but it sounds like you've nailed it. It is a work in progress yeah. every day, yeah. right? Because every day is different. I think so. And so I want to go back to the glass house mm-hmm. um, thought that you had. How does that affect us as we look at other people? What's the moral of the story for anybody who's sitting at church and just observing families? But what's the moral of the story there with the glass house? I think the moral of the story is be grateful for what you have in your life and your relationships. And don't ever minimize that based on what you think you should have, because especially if someone else does and you don't. Mm-hmm. Because there's a good chance you have it all. You just are choosing not to see that. And I think you're very, very accurate there with that statement. Mm-hmm. We don't sometimes choose to see the beauty around us, mm-hmm. you know, because we're too caught up in, gosh, what's wrong with me and, and my problems and different things. Mm-hmm. But you can never make it through anything as difficult as you did unless we have a shift in our thinking process Mm -hmm. right and you have right i don't think you'd have made it this far without that so now you described what you thought the picture on the wall the frame on the wall looked like what does it look like now and how are you getting through that how are you accepting that yeah i love the picture on my wall i really love it Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh and there's so much to it you know describe that picture for me Yeah. As I'm talking, I'm trying to picture what it is. I mean, of course, our family photo looks very different than it Mm -hmm. would have. But now we're adding family members. You know, my daughters are moving on and they're having their own relationships and we're adding a grandbaby this year. And but not only the people in the picture make me feel that picture is complete, but just knowing we've done this together And I didn't tell you, but I went back to grad school, you know, after that whole piece of losing with the company and things changing. I went back to grad school when I was 40. And I say we went back to grad school, my three girls and I. And that was a journey that was so difficult, but three years, really challenging. And I consider we all graduated. And we really became closer together Mm -hmm. through all of our life experiences, right? So when I look at that picture... I also see the relationships we have. I feel the love and support they've given me. And I just love to look at where each of them are in their own lives, in their own journeys. And I see that when I see that picture. Yeah. And there they are right there. Mm-hmm. And it's something to be proud of, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. It may not be the picture that you had 18 years ago or so. No. But it's you. It's your family. That's where you are. You're happy. You're growing. You're progressing. Yes. And yeah. Yes. And we've created it together. And it's imperfect. Mm-hmm. And that's okay that's too. That's the beauty of it, though, isn't <laughs> right? it? Right? Because it allows for space to grow and stretch, right? Yeah. I love that. So, Carrie, as we begin to wrap up here, what have you learned as far as having that sensitivity towards people who are single parents? What have you learned about that? Yeah. Life is so different. You know, when you're a single parent, someone once said it takes a village to raise a child. Right. You know that's true, don't you? I can see by the emotions. Right. And there have been a lot of people in my children's lives 
who have been in that village. I could not have done it myself. And that is mentors and teachers and, and people from our church and family members. And that has been very powerful. And I think if we can all just recognize humanity in each other and also just be sensitive, especially to the youth in these situations, because they really need that. And that will strengthen their resilience and their ability to bounce back and get through because it's so hard on the kids. Yeah. I've heard it said that sometimes God places angels without wings in our paths to help us Yes, in whatever area we need it. Uh-huh. And in your case, those angels were there for your kids and for you. Yes. And for you. And for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Special friends who yeah. have been my dear friends. I think that's so important. Well, Carrie, you You've been very enlightening on the topic of, well, several topics, divorce and being a single parent. And I just, I feel like what you've gone through will help somebody who might be struggling right now, who happens to come across this episode of this podcast. And what a blessing. You are the angel without wings for somebody. Thank you. I hope so. I do hope so. But I surely appreciate you taking time today to visit with me. And uh, hope you enjoy your stay here in cold Idaho. It is cold. (laughs) It is, isn't it? (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. And to my listeners, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye-bye.